You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Run It Back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Run It Back here on the Kansas City Sports Network. I am your host, Jasmine Halbert, and I have another very special co-host guest with me today. That is none other than Colby Van Camp, just like the pork and beans. He is the host <laughs> of training camp on Wildcat 91.9 and the number one operatic sportscaster in America, if not the whole world, ladies and gentlemen, Colby Van Camp. Well, because you know what? Joining me right here on Running Back like many times before. Of course. No, Jasmine, it's uh, an honor to be on the show with you. I'm glad that you were able to break in with the Kansas City Sports Network. Obviously, I listen to 3 Mall all the time. Uh, it helps me with my own sports broadcasting and staying up to date with information. So this is great, too. So I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. And once again, thank you for coming. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting to have a lot of things on tap for you guys in this show. We have a very special guest who y'all are about to see, none other than Coach Mansfield, the new head volleyball coach at Kansas State University. He came on the show here today. And also, we do got to talk about K-State volleyball and K-State soccer. Unfortunately, not having the greatest Sunday in the world, playing against none other than Nebraska, an old Big 8 rival, which unfortunately, we got our butts handed to him the entire day. It's uh, it is what it is, Colby. It, it is it is what it is, and we'll get to soccer in a moment. But we do have to start off with K State volleyball. Now, Nebraska, we know like every everybody saw it in the world probably with Nebraska hosting Nebraska Omaha in front of what 93,000 people in their own stadium, which was an amazing event to even witness. I really hope more schools do it. I hope K State does it because I'm gonna be up in that piece. I don't care when it is, right? But you do have sure. to look into this game. K-State did lose in the straight sets. And it was 25-21 first set, 25-15 second set, 25-19 in the third set. And hitting percentage, unfortunately, was the lowest of the season at .056. Lowest number of kills with 31. Lowest number of assists with 30. And I get, I get these numbers aren't great. These numbers are not great. I understand that. But, but... If you solely look at the stat sheet, then yeah, you think we absolutely got our asses kicked, right? But I don't want to tell you that it's not fully the case because I actually watched the match. I'm not just looking at the stat sheet. I actually watched the match against the number four team in the country. And one, I, Nebraska's insane. They, they are a really, really, really good team. But I tell you, K-State was like right there. They, they were right there. You And you look at these numbers. We lost the first set by four points. The second set was rough. We lost by 10 points. And we lost the third set by six points, and we were up by as most as I think as most as like four or five points in that set. And it's just the craziest thing because K State was making plays that we haven't seen them kind of make plays earlier on in the season. Of course, you know, new head coach, you know, got everything still went cool, fine and dandy. They won nine straight sets going into this game against Nebraska. Okay, not actually, actually, no, I like twelve straight sets because they had nine straight sets coming into the Omaha game just last week, right? So they were right there. They were making plays they haven't done in already a really strong showcase, granted against lesser teams, but still really strong, really strong showing, right? And the points that they had, bro, it's just, it just kind of shows just a testament how really damn good Nebraska is because they were, every time it was just 
the point could have gone our way against any other team, but Nebraska and they're just crazy athleticism. They had 12 blocks and every time the block happened, I'm like, this was literally any other damn team in the country would have been a point for K-State. That's just how close it was. This wasn't a butt whooping like the stats look like it was, Colby. I promise you, it was not. Everything was so close here and there. If one point went our way this, we probably could have won a set here. If another point went our way this, it could have gone one another set here. I can't guarantee you that we would have won this match against Nebraska at all. But I would tell you, if just a point here and there would have gone our way, it at least would have gone to four. Right. And that's just the most like frustrating thing about it because like, gosh, this was not a butt whooping against the number four team in the country, you know, despite what it looks like losing in three straight sets, you know what I mean? It's just it's just frustrating. But once again, once again, we we're, we're close. We're not we're not Nebraska level just yet, but damn it, man, we was close. All right. And at the end of the day, it was Carter with Aaliyah Carter with nine kills, Liz Rogorski with seven kills, Anaya Clay, who I was really impressed by in this game. She came in with four kills matching City Boldy, who was one of the best middle blockers in the Big 12, right? She also had four, and then City Boldy had, I think, a total of six blocks in that game. But Anaya Clinton, redshirt freshman, 6'2". Someone we haven't seen a whole bunch. She was, of course, on this team last year. Didn't get to see her play a lot, if any. Then she comes in this game, once again, number 14 in the country. And I'm like, she stood out. I'm like, okay, this seems like, this is kind of like, this is kind of her coming out party. I know last year, it was in my opinion, with Shaylee Myers against Masu, where she just had a hell of a game. And now I think this is low-key, like, a Nia Clinton's like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here, too. You kind of have to pay attention to me as well. Just shows, like, the strength that this team has. And it's still super young, man. This is still a super young team. And them being able to pull tight against the number four team, the country in Nebraska. And Colby, I know you don't have the, the greatest of knowledge in volleyball, but <laughs> didn't mean about the history of K-State history of why K-State really does not like Nebraska, and that's why this kind of hurts a little bit more than it should. Please, sure. give us your um, a little bit of history of why, of why this hurts so much. Well, first of all, it's a testament to the coaching staff of Kansas State and the volleyball team that you have the number four team in the country showing up on your home turf and that the game really was closer than the stats showed, right? Um, I think that's a testament, right? Brand new coaching staff. You got a bunch of stuff that you're trying to work out. There's kinks. There's things that you're learning about your players. They're learning about you. And then you schedule a major test in a storied program like Nebraska Volleyball. I, I thought it was really bold of the coaching staff to run with those games and to keep them there. But then you know what? When Kent State played Alabama in football, all you heard from the offensive line after the game was, we just played the best and now we know what that looks like. Kansas State just played the best. They know what it looks like. So what's an opportunity for them to rise to the occasion now that they've played the best? I think that it's probably greater than we would anticipate it to be. So there's trade-offs, right? You hate to see the the loss in the bracket, but at the same time, against a, a team like Nebraska, it's a great learning experience um, for a young team, new coaching staff. So I'm here for that. In terms of just the Nebraska-Kansas State rivalry, I mean, I, I had to pull up my numbers to make sure that I got this right. Um, the schools first met in football as non-conference opponents in 1911. Um, and then that rivalry was broken up in 2011 when Nebraska went to the Big Ten, leaving the Big 12. Um, and because of football, I mean, there's some big stuff that happened between Kansas State and Nebraska. 1939 is the first meeting between Kansas State and Nebraska's conference foes that was televised in Manhattan. And it was the second ever televised football game of all time. 
um, which is which is crazy. College football game, not not professional, but the second ever televised college football game. So Nebraska and Kansas State, they go way back. The programs for a long time didn't like each other. Um, I think that hate is kind of uh, waned over the years now that over a decade has gone by since we've been facing Nebraska on an annual basis. But uh, frankly, I'm here for it. Renew the hate. I, I totally would love to see Kansas State and Nebraska playing more non-conference games against each other as an opportunity to get back into one of those really intense, you know, big six rivalries, right? I mean, Pappy Waldorf, 1934 football, playing Nebraska. It's crazy. So I love to see that for Kansas State. Yeah, we love to see it too. We Honestly, I understand that this is not going to be a rivalry that we get to see every now and again, but I guess this kind of just makes us appreciate a lot more when we get the chance to play them every once in a blue moon, right? But thank you, Colby, for that little tidbit of Nebraska and K-State rivalry. And up next, we have a really, really special interview with none other than Coach Jason Manfield, the new head coach of K-State Volleyball. And before we go, cannot forget about whole field apparel. I look, I know y'all need some new gear for this upcoming season for football, for volleyball, for soccer. When Coach Tang gets back in the building with his boys, and of course, when women's basketball starts making their imprint on this really tough conference as well. So please head to Home the Field Apparel to get yourself some new gear. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back to Run It Back. I have none other than a very special guest and a coach, Mansell, who has went to seven Final Fours and won a national championship in about 20 years of being on the sideline of women's volleyball. The man has got some accolades coming from Stanford and Washington. Everyone, please welcome in none other than Jason Mansfield. Snaps, snaps along. Thank you so much, Coach, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. So I do want to ask you, because you're still new to you know, the Manhattan area. A lot of K-State fans don't exactly know who you are just yet. So what would you like K-State fans to know about you? Um, that that uh, I'm a teacher. You know, I've always kind of wanted to be a teacher. I had a great high school teacher that was also the basketball coach. Um, he taught English and really inspired me to want to coach and want to teach. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think from then, just really had a passion to to yeah teach. And and so once I started coaching when I was 19, um, just you know I haven't stopped. So been coaching volleyball for. A long time and um yeah just love love teaching love seeing people grow and get better um that's the most exciting thing um so yeah that's a little bit a little bit about my journey okay so what and I guess to continue on about your journey what actually attracted you to k-state because i know that the accolades you have you were probably really popular among other schools but what about k-state said this is the place i want to be well there was a lot of things i think that uh i we spent two two years at the University of Illinois uh, in the Big Ten, and uh, being from the Bay Area and then living, you know, uh, in Washington, um, I really enjoyed our time in Champaign and in a small college town, and and really saw the value for my family and and also just the support, you know, that that a small town can provide. So I think that was the first thing that was really attractive about it, and. Uh, the more I watched us play uh, and watched the team play from last year, just saw a lot of talent on the roster, and that got me pretty excited. Um, and then, yeah, really just Gene um, and Jill just believing in me, really. Um, uh, I, I have interviewed for jobs before and had some interest in, in some places, but had never been offered a head coaching job until Gene offered, offered it to me. So... Um, I don't take that lightly and, and, uh, his support and trust in me, I think was, uh, I just felt like it was meant to be. Right. I feel, I like that. It was meant to be, but also continue on. Cause you, you said you watched the players, you were really excited about, you know, the types of athletes that K-State has in this program. But of course, in the world of the trans, uh, you know, transfer portal, a lot of times when there's a coaching change, a lot of players, they go into that portal. What was a selling point for you to keep those players at this program to make them kind of buy into what you were selling? Yeah, I just wanted to try to build trust from the beginning. And I think that the very first conversations I had with them right when I accepted the job, I, I wanted to get them all on a call or on a Zoom with, with them and their families right away, um, the the 11 returners. And uh, and so just try to really build um, the trust of, of just who I am and, and why I love to do what I, what I do. Like I said, I, I love to teach and, uh, really competitive and really want to try to build a program, um, that's great, you know? And, and so I think that, I think just try to have those conversations and, and how I try to care about the athletes individually. Um, I think hopefully they felt that from the beginning. And then I really don't think it had a lot to do with me, to be honest. I think their love for each other and their love for K-State were, were really the reason that they decided to stay. And then once we started training 
I think they understood, you know, that I, I do have their best interest and I want them all to improve individually. And um, I think that the trust really started to build, you know, day after day in the gym. Yeah, I know. I talked to Shaylee Myers in my first episode on here, and I, I kind of asked her a similar question, like, what about, you know, Coach Mansfield made you want to, to buy in? And she said a part of her thing was also just being around the girls, how close that they are, like you said, and of course, seeing what you were able to do and how you're a teacher, right? And how she kind of like brought that up and how you have the best interest at heart of all of these players, like like every coach should, right? And I guess uh, still piggyback on that. What, in, what player has impressed you the most these past you know, few months at K-State? It's a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, it's it's hard to pick one. I mean, I, I think that I was really impressed with uh, with Mac Morris, uh, who is the the Big 12 academic, you know, player of the year. Um, just really talented on film and, and just seeing her every day and, and seeing the plays that she makes, the wow plays that she makes and the consistent plays that she makes, you know, going back to last January. Leah Carter, obviously very, very athletic, very skilled, um, very competitive. Uh, so she's really impressed me with her improvement, you know, the last uh, nine months. So really, really love her game. Sydney Bolding, uh, I think she's the best middle in the country. I mean, she's she's unbelievable blocker, getting better offensively. Uh, and she's, she's a real threat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, our freshmen are, are really impressive. All four freshmen have come in and, and really kind of hit the ground running and, and made our made our gym better. Um, so I love them. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to pick. I love our two transfers, you know, Liz and, and Izzy. Um, it's hard to come into a new situation, you know, when you've been in college for three or four years and and try to fit in and try to play, you know, as well as you can. So, um, yeah, those are those are some of the few. But I've been I just been really impressed with with how on it they are every day and, and how willing they are to to learn and and get after it and compete and and really try to improve individually. Yeah. And I think Liz and Izzy are some of the most exciting additions that you've been able to add. So being of course the new head coach in in this program, what about them stood out to make them want to come here or make you want to add them to the team, so to speak? Yeah, I think I think that with the transfer portal, I think one of the positives is that uh, people are looking for a fresh start um, and they also have experience, you know, a lot of them. And, you know, Liz hasn't does, doesn't have a ton of experience on the court, but she has a lot of experience in life and she's very skilled, you know. And so I knew that from the beginning and talking to her her old coaches and, and even her coaches at Wisconsin um, just kept hearing the same thing. You know, this is a competitive kid. This is a great culture kid. Um, but she's a really good volleyball player, you know, and 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 very skilled. Um, and so that was really appealing to to try to get a ball control kid like her that had the experience that has been a part of, you know, multiple Big Ten championships and, an, and a national champion uh, chip team and, and knows what that culture looks like. And then I've known Izzy for a long time. I watched her play all the way back when she was about 15 or 16 years old um, and just an incredible athlete, coached against her a bunch in the Pac-12 so knew her skill set as a setter and also as an attacker. And, um, yeah, just really fiery, um, comes from a volleyball family. Her mom and dad both played. So, um, yeah, just, just love, love their experience in the college game. Um, love what they've been through and, and kind of what they're looking for. And, and they both have a, a pretty big chip on their shoulder to, to prove that, you know, that they can, they can be more than what they've been in college so far. Sweet. Now, Coach, of course, you had had a lot of success 
at the, you know, assistant level with, you know, Stanford and Illinois and Washington. What have you learned from that success that you can apply with your first year of being a head coach? Yeah, I think that it's really just all about the athletes. And um, I think the cultures that I've been a part of, I think if, if you we focus on them and, and their improvement and caring about them uh, more than just volleyball players, I think that that is where the foundation kind of kind of follows. I think their improve, improvement on the court, you know, every day and, and their ability to grow within a year or uh, within a career um, is the deal. It's what, it's what programs are based off of is, is the players within the program. So I think caring for them, um, not just players, but as, but as, uh, as people, I think is, is the biggest thing that, that I've taken from the programs that I've been a part of. And, um, I think that's the foundation of, of what we want to do. And, and then just trying to be consistent in everything that we're doing, how we train, how we watch film, uh, how we, how we lift, um, just everything, everything that we do, try to be consistent at that um, and, and hold them, you know, to, to a high standard, I think is, is, is what, is what we're trying to do. And, and then there, there's a lot of power in, in belief, you know, there's a lot of power in believing that a player can be, can be great, you know, and, and, and try to really push them towards, uh, towards that every day. Um, there's a lot of players that I've coached that, weren't as highly touted and really improved, you know, year to year and, and became really, really great players because we believed in them and because we try to find ways to, to make them better. So. Okay, coach. And I know, and I have people who've watched my show, I've asked every single player about this and it's conference realignment. I don't care. People are getting tired of me asking this question. I value a coach's opinion and a player's opinion about conference realignment more than I do about fans because you guys are in the mix about conference realignment and directly affected. I want to know your opinion on it because you coach two different schools in the Pac-12 that seem to have to kind of, I don't want to say forcibly, I don't think that's the right word, but kind of didn't have too much of a choice and right. kind of going to a different conference, right? With uh, Washington going to the uh, Big Ten, I think. And then Stanford is just announced, what, two, three days ago that they're going to be uh, ACC, right? Right. So I want to know, like, where where are your thoughts about where conference realignment is, not only for the Pac-12, but also for the Big 12 as well? I mean, first and foremost, it's just sad. I mean, I, I spent 20 years in, in the Pac-10 Pac and then Pac-12 once Colorado and Utah joined. And so, <clears throat> yeah, just sad. I think once UCLA and USC were leaving, it, to me, the conference was was not the same, you know, and, and there was no duplicating those two schools. And so even if the Pac-12, 12 decided to add a couple of schools. I just didn't think it was going to be the same. And so I'm not surprised that, that teams have gone to the big 10 and, and the ACC. And, um, I think that's, it, it makes sense. So I'm just, I'm bummed that it, it's no longer going to be a conference. And if it is, it's going to be kind of a shell of itself, but for us, I'm really excited. I'm excited to add the teams we added this year. And, uh, I'm really excited to add, you know, the teams from the PAC 12. Um, I think that, I'm just thinking about the athletes and thinking about schools that um, that can charter and, and schools that can't, you know, and and we did not charter at Washington because we have the airport right there. And I'm just thinking of how Washington is going to be playing Rutgers and Maryland um, and how that's going to affect them. And not only that, just landing in Chicago and then having to drive two hours to, to Champaign or, you know, uh, two hours to play Indiana. I just I, I don't know how that's going to work 
um, unless there's a lot of money spent to try to help the athletes um, travel. I know we learned a lot from COVID as far as, you know, the stuff that we can do online and in school and all that, but there's no substitute for in-person and, and being a student and, um, and feeling, you know, what that feels like to be a student athlete. So uh, I'm excited for sure to, to compete and, and to have our conference grow. Our, our commissioner has, has done a phenomenal job with that. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about how it's going to, how it's going to work for some of these other conferences, um, in travel and, and all that. Yeah. And I kind of talked to Shaylee in the first episode where K-State is placed. They're kind of the lucky ones. They're like right in the middle of the country that they can, you know, pretty much go anywhere, you know, East and West. Right. But like you mentioned before, you got players from Washington have to fly all the way across the country to Maryland or Rutgers. That'd be an issue compared to, of course, the furthest, I think K-State would have to go is UCF, right? Right, right. So right. that's just how they're placed. But as far as at least in the Big 12 in the new conference that we have and the new teams that we have coming this season and, of course, coming next season, who is someone that you want to keep your eye on the most in this conference? Yeah, I mean, th there's no doubt that the four schools we added this year um, in Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU – four really good volleyball schools. So I think that a lot, a lot of people may look at those schools like, you know, maybe a couple of them are good in football, good in basketball. From a volleyball standpoint, we we upgraded big time. BYU is a top 10 program every year and, and they're talented every year. Um, their coach does a phenomenal job of recruiting and, and training. Um, and then Houston is a, is a top 20 team this year. And, and, uh, and what they've done over the last couple of years has really gotten that program um, to big time height. So those two programs in, in you know, in their stuff, it's, it are really hard to beat um, this year. And, and I don't see them going anywhere, especially now being in a power five conference and being able to recruit um, the kids that they have been able to recruit. And, and I'm sure, you know, beyond that, but um, yeah, those two schools are, are good. And, and Cincinnati and UCF have had players and seasons in the last five to 10 years that, that have been, you know, deep runs in the tournament and conference championships and stuff. So, and so, and as you're talking about the just the pure firepower that's being added to the Big Twelve, we played Nebraska, of course, on Sunday and number four, you know, team in the country. You know the type of crowd they can bring, obviously, with the was it ninety two thousand, ninety three thousand that we saw before, which is absolutely insane and incredible. Yeah. But tell me about the benefit of playing a really good Nebraska team so early in the season when we do have all these firepower teams that we're about to play this season? Yeah, I think you want to play the best. I mean, if you if you want if you want to be a, a great team, you want to figure out where you're at, and, and you're going to figure out where you're at by playing the best teams. And so, I think it was a great test for us. Um, I think we were ready for it, um, but there's no preparing for a team like that until you're actually in the match. You know, to see their physicality, to see their skill. Um, they're just, they're a really good team. And they're a team that, that is individually very talented, but I think collectively has a chance to be really good as the season goes on. So I was excited about the match for a lot of different reasons. You know, we knew that there was going to be a, a great crowd again, like much like there was against Nebraska Omaha. Uh, we knew we were going to play a team that was going to compete and, and had a lot of physicality as far as um, what they can do at the net. Um, and yeah, I think the best thing was that after the mass, the girls were disappointed. You know, they were disappointed that that we we didn't play better. And uh, 
And I think that was a great sign of, okay, if we're disappointed that we lost to Nebraska, then then we're, we have the right mindset, you know, that, that we want to get better and, and we think we can play with anybody. And uh, I'm certainly going to convince the girls that we can do that because I believe that in every match that we play. But we have to we have to make the plays that we're capable of making and um, and then keep getting better as the season goes on. So I think it's a good test early. And uh, I think we made plays that we had not made in any match before that, which was really exciting um, to see that. And, and how do we do that? you know, over and over and over again within a match. And that's, that's the goal. Yeah. And I actually like really noticed, noticed this, of course, you know, about volleyball way more than anyone who is watching this and definitely way more than me, but I noticed with this, with this match, I know if you strictly looked at the stat sheets and stuff, it would, it would seem a lot worse than it was. I just know there was just like, they seemed like just a couple of points here and there that if it just went our way, it would have been, it would have been a lot different. And obviously it just shows the athleticism that Nebraska has because there was a few few plays of like gosh if this was against anybody else <laughs> it would have been a point for K-State right yeah. but seeing that how like you said how the girls were disappointed that it, it went that way because I think I'm even being frustrated as a fan they're even 10 times more frustrated than me because they know exactly how close those points could have been if anything had gone their way compared to how it was right so at least how this one was against Nebraska, and of course, you guys have, I think, two more invitationals before conference play starts. What would you like to see from this team to help them prepare for a gauntlet in this conference? Just being more consistent. I, I think that um, <clears throat> we we have a deep team. We have we have a, a really good, I'll call it bench, but we have players that that are more than capable to come in and and change the match. And I. Uh, Anaya did it uh, against Nebraska. Came in and and played well, um, but we have multiple people that that are more than capable of doing that. And uh, I think when they get their they get their shot, you know they 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 just play within themselves and and do what they're capable of doing. And I think that you know character is the number one you know value we have and core value in our program. And I think that it's not just your character off the court, but it's your character on the court. You know who are you as a competitor? Who are you as a teammate? Um, and, and can you be consistent at that, you know, regardless of, of the situation? And so, yeah, this weekend we head to Nashville. We're not going to play in front of, you know, 3,500 people probably. Um, we're going to be on the road and, uh, it's going to be a pretty hostile environment. Um, but I think, can we be ourselves? Can we, can we be ourselves? Can we compete the way we want to on every play and, um, and, and just consistently do that? I think we're still searching for that in all conditions when, Maybe we're not playing our best, you know, individually or as a group. How do we, how do we connect and, and how do we compete, you know, when, when things get tough? I think that's what we're searching for. And that's certainly what it's going to be like in the Big 12. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much for being on and talking with me. Hope to have you on again later on in the season. Anytime. Like that. We love to have you. Thank you so much, Coach. We'll be right back with more. Run it back here on the Kansas City Sports Network. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over because NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week number one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks for any NFL game. 
DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting $5. The new code is KCSN, and that is on the sports betting, but only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Boy in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. Everybody, welcome back to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and I am co-hosting with none other than Colby Van Camp, the number one operatic sportscaster in the entire world. And you just missed a really, really, really good interview with Coach Jason Mansfield, the new head coach for Cape State Volleyball, starting in the new Mansfield area. And we talked a little bit about Cape State Volleyball and their loss to number four Nebraska in three straight sets. Like I was talking about before, it was not as bad as the set sheet. So I promise you, because it was whoa, it's right there. It was right there, but a couple points with here, a couple points with there. We might be having a different conversation. But none other than Nebraska got the best of us. And unfortunately, they got the best of us the entire Sunday because... Damn it, man, it was a really rough outing against Nebraska on the soccer field where Cats lost 4-0. And, uh, Colby, you called that game. Me, yeah. I, I watched the first half. I watched Nebraska score all four goals in the first half. And I, and I, and I say sorry for this, but I couldn't watch anymore. Man, I, I remember what's the toughest part about getting to call and talk about K-State's forces that sometimes you just have to sit through the rough ones. And I couldn't do it. But I came back, watched it, and I ended up watching the second half today before the show. Just in case, so I just had to, I just had to suck it up. So I apologize. I will not do that again. Of just, just going somewhere else watching that game. <laughs> but you know, Nebraska is good. They're good, man. That is, a, that is a tournament team if I've seen one on that soccer ball for Nebraska, right? But it was. I'll read. I'll read you guys some of the stats from that game. Nebraska outshot us thirty to fourteen. They had 11 shots on goal to K-State 7. Nebraska and K-State both had 7 saves. Nebraska outgained us in corners with 11-2. to two. Nebraska had 2 offsides to K-State's 1. And K-State had 12 fouls to Nebraska's 8. So, Colby, you calling that game, what, what stood out to you that just was uncharacteristic for this K-State team? Well, first of all, there was a physicality that Nebraska brought to the table that Kansas State has maybe not necessarily seen entirely. Um, Kansas State played a really physical team in number 18 at the time, Northwestern, and went down to the wire with them and tied them at Northwestern. So yeah. it was it was a little bit strange. It was um, a team that, in my mind, Kansas State should have been able to hang around with, and they proved that they were able to, blanking Nebraska in the second half of the game. I mean, they went 45 minutes, gave up four, and they went another 45 minutes and gave up nothing. So... 
there was a definite shift in momentum in terms of Kansas State, Nebraska from half to half. But the first half was just all Cornhuskers. And it was really because of just their physicality. They got in front of Kansas State. They stayed in front of Kansas State. It was just continuous offensive pressure from Nebraska the entire time. I mean, they they barely were in there defending half of the field or defending third of the field. Um, I was just blown away by the way that Nebraska put the pressure on Kansas State. And um, Kansas State didn't respond very well to that. And I thought perhaps that they would. Yeah, and honestly, it's crazy to even think about that because normally K-State is the more physical team, you know? So just the, them, because I've talked about this in, you know, the other two shows I had for this one that, you know, when you play K-State, you better you better lace up your boots because it's gonna they're, they're gonna play physical. So the fact that Nebraska came in and played more physical than K-State, that's just that's just a shocker. And like you said, Colby, it was just constant offensive pressure from Nebraska. I know they were they were in the attacking third, honestly, for so long that they probably got mail there because it was it was just it was just that tough defensively. And it's it's another surprise considering like how good K-State has been defensively the past four games that they were in, or the past five games, I should say, because they had a strong defensive showing against, uh, obviously, of course, number 18 at that time, Northwestern. They had a really great defensive showing against UTSA. It was a strong defensive showing against Creighton when they drew 0-0. And even the same thing goes when they played against Vandy last week. It was good defense all the way through and an unfortunate penalty kick in the 68th minute that turned out to be the game winner, right? And Murphy Sheaf was really good this season keeping only allowing what one goal I want to say four games prior to that Vanderbilt matchup and then of course it's always hard to stop a penalty kick right when you're a goalkeeper and then going in you see just a complete shift defensively against Nebraska like even they're like just their specific individual players on the ball they are so comfortable they're so confident on the ball they're making some moves to get past K-State defenders I'm like damn just stop it <laughs> you know what I mean you could have done this any other day against any other team why didn't it have to be us right but it's just that's it's, that's what's just tough about having a really young team in K-State because K-State is a super young team they have a butt ton of freshmen they got a butt ton of sophomores handful of juniors and I want to say like what three or four seniors on that team this is like this is a really young team this kind of what you know one of the sucky things about having a really young team because you get a very surefire tournament team like Nebraska that just dominates the entire game. And that, and I was reading up on what Coach Dimitri said after the game. And I mean, and it kind of like, and I kind of looked back at it, of course, today, watching the second half because I pumped out watching it on Sunday. It just seemed like their backline just kept being a little out of position and more reactionary than what we're used to. It wasn't as decisive and wasn't as stout as we know it to be. And even like, they honestly, along, honestly, on the right side in the first half, the right side of the back of the back line where you have Jason Brown at center back and El Nagar right at a at right back. This is some of the two of your best defenders. And they, it was just, unfortunately, got them on the wrong day that they were really struggling against the Nebraska forwards. And I know I, one one girl on Nebraska, I, whose name escapes me at the moment, but she had two goals <laughs> in that game. And Kobe talked about how they allowed four goals in the first half none in the second half which is a really good improvement you know defensively but I'm not gonna lie there is a couple of chances that Nebraska had that could have made this score a lot worse and that's just once again it just sucks defensively but still but still offensively the chances were there for K-State like the chances were absolutely there and if honestly if one would have gone in early 
I still think this game would have been different because I think they had a chance where the ball just kept pinballing in the six-yard box before Nebraska was able to kick it away, right, for a throw. And it wasn't even a corner. It was just for a throw. So let's get that's another that's another lucky instance that was able that was just the ball didn't bounce our way because Morgan Strutman, whose confidence you just continued to grow after she had one hell of a goal against I want to say UTSA from like 27 yards out. She just put her whole foot through the ball and it was incredible, right? She had sure. four shots, two of them on goal, and of course Jasmine Brown, she had two shots on goal, more than likely coming off of set pieces, right? Because she's the person to go to on set pieces. And of course, Karen Singh uh, UTSA transfer, senior transfer, she had a shot on goal as well. So obviously, though, the 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 offense is, is there. I think the offense is here more even more this season than it was last season, right? But it's just it's just still that unlucky bounces that we've had against this Nebraska team, Colby. Yeah, and there's just something to be said about the you had brought it up too. You have a young team. And this is by far the best recruiting class that Coach Tabini has had for Kansas State. Um, and something that stood out to me looking at the final box score, um, because I they were they were nice enough to give it to me before I left the the pitch on Sunday. But Kansas State has a really deep team. That's yeah. something that works in their favor is that they have fresh legs all the time. They're always subbing people in. It's substitutions by committee, and it's a way to keep all of their players fresh. Um, Nebraska had more substitutions than Kansas State did uh, by a lot, which is crazy, which is crazy. Um, And they played meaningful minutes. I mean, um, Reese Borer from Nebraska played 23 minutes. Um, A couple of other folks played more than 28 minutes. Um, And then Kansas State, Aliyah El-Nagar, she had to play 90. Kenzie Gillespie, she played 90. So it was just an, um, an opportunity for Kansas State to try and get some of those folks out. And they just weren't able to do it because of the pressure that Nebraska was putting on them. And then I think just of note, because I like statistics and we and I try not to lean too much into them, but on the few statistics that are helpful, I mean, Nebraska held the possession of the ball for 58% of the game. Um, I mean, that's, that's significant. Uh, over 70% of their shots came from the 18-yard box. Uh, for Kansas State. I mean, it was just all over the place. Um, and credit the Wildcats for coming out with a different game plan. They started in a 3-5-2. They had one of those five midfielders so that they can have an opportunity to control the middle of the field. Definitely didn't work in their advantage. Um, and so they came out uh, with force instead. They ran a couple of different sets, uh, some different defensive positions that seemed to clean it up a little bit. Nebraska still was pesky. Uh, in the Kansas State area of the pitch. But at the same time, the Wildcats were able to hold on. So it's a young team. It's an unfortunate break that they had to take with this, especially coming off of a penalty kick loss to Vanderbilt. Now you get to reset. You got a couple of home games that get you into your home opener and conference play against Cincinnati next week. It's time to take a deep breath. This is a Kansas State team that can win. This is a Kansas State team that believes uh, I'm friends with head coach or sorry, assistant coach uh, Matt Smith, and he's been telling me a lot recently about this is a team that we just take it one day at a time. Our philosophy is once a game is over, learn what you learn. Don't look back. Don't look ahead. Stay where you're at day by day. Take it and win each day one day at a time. You hear that in football. Win the dang dang, right? Coach Tang, he's telling his guys that it's a good philosophy to have if you're a coach. I think Kansas State is really starting to solidify that. Um, so this one to me was more of a mentality thing. K State got punched in the face directly right out of the gate, didn't yeah. respond well. 
But now that they've got that under their belts, let's see how they respond going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I know before going into that Vanderbilt game, they were undefeated. Two ways, two draws, and they even had a draw against, you know, the number eight team at the time in Arkansas and before the season started in an exhibition, right? So I know it's sucks that they've dropped the last two games. I know Vanderbilt, a lot closer. I didn't watch the Vanderbilt game because it was on uh, SEC Plus. Who the hell has SEC Plus? But of course, had going into this game and how that was rough. But now, like you said, Colby, you gotta you gotta crumple that piece of paper up and throw it over your shoulder and into the recycling bin because you have another really tough matchup coming in, and that's Memphis. And I last time I checked, their ranks number seventeen in the most recent top drawer soccer poll. They're four and one. The only loss on the season came to number seven Alabama, and they lost that one to two. Okay, so it's another it's another really tough test because once again it's a young team. How are they going to respond to pretty much getting punched in the mouth like he said, Kobe? against the Nebraska team who's unranked, but still really, really good, right? And into a team that is ranked that you're going to be hosting at home before you start conference play. And now you just got to know, you got to really lace them boots up tight. You got to put your big girl panties on because you just take it. It's time to go when they play Memphis. And they do play Memphis, and it is a home game. That will be this Thursday at 7 p.m. You can watch it if you're in Manhattan. You can go to Loser Family Park and support the ladies. And if you're not there, you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Once again, that game is at seven colby thank you so much for joining me on this episode of front of back and thanks to coach mansfield for being on the show answering all my questions and thank you guys for tuning in we will be back next week with more run it back with jasmine albert on kansas city sports network we'll see y'all then thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com